Good morning and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. If you've been listening for a while now, we have been working with JScreen. Um, we're doing a partnership with them right now. Um, we've worked with them in the past. They do amazing work. Uh, we interviewed their founder years ago um, who had uh, children with uh, genetic diseases, and he wanted to kind of give back and make sure that other people didn't have to deal with what he had. And so instead of relying on sort of the old model of Doria Sharm of knowing who you could or couldn't marry, kind of just being told based on if this match is good or not good with no more information, um, he decided that he wanted to start a new model where everybody would know their genetics um, and they would have the information you know, with them, and then they could still marry whoever they wanted to marry and use science and technology to make sure that pregnancies ended up safely. What ended up happening was Jade Screen has been a huge hit in the Jewish community, um, you know, I think especially in the Orthodox community. And over time, people began to ask about cancer screening, genetic cancer screening, and, you know, kind of, is there a place for that here? So the project we've been working on recently with Jade Screen is to create more information and knowledge amongst our fan base about what does it mean to screen for cancer? So we had an orthodox a genetic counselor, SD Rose, come on our show several months ago to talk about kind of the science behind it. Then we had Rabbi Dr. Jason Weiner, who I did a YouTube live with a few months ago um, to talk about sort of the halachic side behind it. And today we have with us Lara Diamond, an orthodox Jewish woman in Baltimore, who is kind of giving us the first person narrative of what does it mean to find out that you have this genetic marking and, you know, kind of what you do with it. So it turns out that Lara's job, because I asked her before we started, should I say what your profession is, her profession and her uh, genetic, uh, I guess, predisposition or information kind of came together because she is a genealogist um, and being in the genealogy space, she was doing a DNA search. So uh, Lara, thank you so much for, for joining us today. Sure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I guess if you could kind of back us up. So um, you're a genealogist for years and you hold off on doing the DNA test sort of when the technology came around, like kind of when, how long have these uh, sort of DNA genealogy searches, searches been around? Did you um, sort of hesitate to do it or were you one of the first people to do it once the technology came out? Yep, so there's different kinds of tests, but the testing that's being done a lot now is autosomal testing. And that that came around in the early kind of 2011, 20. 12 timeframe, there were earlier tests that weren't as useful for Jewish genealogy. And I took a test pretty soon after it came out. And I was able to find relatives that had survived the Holocaust that they didn't realize, um, which was obviously extremely exciting. And so I decided I should test with all of the different companies that were out there to make sure that, you know, I I'd catch anybody who might have tested with those other companies who could be a relatively close match. Um, and so I was only doing the genetic testing for genealogical purposes. But at the time, one of the testing companies also did some health, gave you some health information that kind of came along with it. It wasn't my purpose of test for testing, but it was basically free um, other than what I had already paid for the relative matching um, parts of it. And that's how I found out I had a BRCA2 mutation, which was a complete and total shock. So you're just trying to find family and you open yep. up the the envelope and this is and I imagine that when you mark down that little box you know throw this in for free you weren't thinking that something god forbid so life-altering would just yeah. you know. it, it wasn't even a little box it just kind of came along with it so I I was kind of like okay I, I wouldn't have paid extra money for it but if it was part of the package then why not 
So by the way, this is something that um, that the people at Jay's Green told me because we were we sort of looked into this before we decided to move forward. Like, you know, is this the right um, you know kind of information to bring to our our audience, to our viewership? And one of the things that Esty mentioned to me is that. Um, when you take these genetic tests for genealogy, there's nobody to hold your hand and guide you through the big information. When you do this with a company like JScreen, they're really there to um, help kind of right. break big news because um, I can't imagine that it would certainly be shocking. So, so you get this BRCA positive um, information along with some any more relatives found at least on the on the plus oh, side. Oh, I keep yeah, I keep finding lots and lots of relatives, but at the time, um, my mind wasn't really going to the relatives because I was trying to just internalize what this medical result meant for myself and my family. And so what, what is your first, what was your first step after you got this information? Um, so of course it came like at nine o'clock on Sunday night. So, um, first thing Monday morning, I called my doctor and her, her response is not appropriate for me to say in this venue. Um, but after that initial reaction, she asked, she did the right thing. And she suggested I go to a genetic counselor to retest me to make sure that this was actually correct and to also explain some of the implications. So I met with a genetic counselor who retested me and confirmed that I did have this mutation. And mm -hmm. one thing I do want to say is, you know, these genealogy tests that give you health information, they don't screen the number of mutations that something like JScreen does. They only mm -hmm. look at three specific mutations. JScreen's looking at a ton of genes and different mutations on the genes. And so it's, you know, if you're doing this for medical information, you need to do it through something like JScreen or a medical based screening. I was just fortunate that one of that my mutation was one of the three that happened to be caught by this particular test. Oh, wow. So this is an important thing to pay attention to if you weren't listening. You could think that you've been screened for BRCA because you looked up lost relatives and get a false negative when in fact right. you could be positive because you're not screened. Wow, that's actually really important and seems almost like highly irresponsible to have someone think that they got right. a negative. So, so if you read the, if you read what they say, when you give the, re the results, if the results are negative, they say you are negative for the three mutations that we look for. And so, but a lot of people, I don't think necessarily read and understand what that means. So that's just why I wanted to kind of emphasize that, you know, I, I, I probably wouldn't have gone and gotten tested because I didn't think I had this in my family. Um, but, and, and it was only one of the three. Now the three that they do test for all are, are the three that happen to be the most, be the most common in the Ashkenazic Jewish community. But there are other mutations that Ashkenazic Jews can have that aren't detected by tests like that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, I mean, I guess this is just sort of part of that, like we're kind of this one big family. Um, I guess there were a few. I don't know. Um, somewhere far back, uh, this gene got into a lot of uh, into a lot of our gene pools. Okay, so you get you meet with a genetic counselor. You um, find out that you, this is in fact true. And then what is the first of all? How long does that information take? Like once you go from nine p.m. on Sunday night getting this information and having it confirmed, how long of a wait is that? Um, so at the time, this was back in twenty thirteen, and. Um, I was calling around to try to find appointments with genetic counselors and they were scheduling pretty far out, like months. But mm -hmm. um, then when I called one, they had just gotten a cancellation. So I got in with that genetic counselor. I probably met with her two weeks later. And then she got the results maybe two or three weeks after that. So, you know, it took some time of kind of worrying and not knowing. Wow. Okay. So then you get your, you know, definite positive that you're positive. And then what's the kind of road from there? Um, so they asked that I get a mammogram and an MRI. So I had my first ever mammogram, which was fine. 
Then I had my first ever MRI, which came up with um, areas of suspicion. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, all the doctors said, you know, it's probably nothing. One of the reasons why the general population doesn't do these MRIs is because they're so sensitive that they pick up lots and lots of things that are really nothing in the end. And so they did a biopsy just because of my BRCA status. And while most of the suspicious areas were nothing, one of them was actually cancer. Oh, wow. And can I ask how old you were when this happened? 37. Wow. wow. So you weren't even sort of at the age yet when they would tell you to start doing yep. the, the mammogram. Uh-huh. Yep. And so you get this, uh, you know, a cancer positive now. Now you're on to the next stage. And then what is the, um, what are the next steps at that point that they propose to you? Um, so I went and met with a surgeon, met with an oncologist. We kind of talked about what the, you know, surgery, I would, one of the, um, one, one of my, sur- the surgeon actually said to me, he said to me, are you religious? And I said, yes, I am. And he said, well, I'm not, but your story almost makes me want to be religious because if I hadn't taken this genealogy test, I wouldn't have found out I was BRCA2 positive at the time. And he said, based on the type of cancer it was, the location, it probably would have been three to five years before I had any kind of symptoms or anything, by which point the cancer would have been at a much later stage. It was detected at stage 1A. So it was super early. I didn't need chemo. Um, And he said, had I not taken this genealogy test, my story would have been a lot different. And so, you know, that kind of gets into the knowledge is power. Knowledge is scary and it's a lot to deal with. But if I didn't know about this mutation, I never would have had that MRI. Well, I'm just thinking, you know, as an orthodox organization, knowledge is power, yes, for sure. And also it's Kislev now and sort of the time of miracles. So that's just sort of another, you know, incredible thing that uh, you got this information years before you you might have noticed it. So um, so you did not have to go through any of those other routes. So was it a removal of that lump or or did they suggest a more aggressive response? They suggested to go as aggressive as possible simply because with a BRCA mutation, you do have a high risk of not just a recurrence of the original cancer, but a new cancer entirely. So it's not like, you know, I've checked off the breast cancer, I'm done. Um, and so, you know, so I, I, I did go for that and um, had several surgeries, but I've been kind of surgery free on that end for a couple of years. And, you know, it's kind of one less thing I need to worry about. And so they recommended double mastectomy and hysterectomy, like how aggressive, like there's different ranges of what they'll recommend, right? Yep. They, they've recommended hysterectomy. I haven't gone that route. Um, I'm single and still want to have kids. So, you know, haven't quite gone that route. I understand why that's their recommendation, but you know, we've, I've had a lot of conversations with my doctors and they kind of understand where I am and I understand where they are. And we have agreed to disagree for the moment. I mean, these are big, these are big, uh, you know, questions for a human being, for a woman, for, and what about um, anything sort of rabbinic? Was there any point where you brought a rabbi into it to sort of Yeah, I spoke to rabbis several times about what, what I could do, what I couldn't do, kind of, you know, there were certain things where they said, this is what you should do. And then there were certain other ones where they're like, it's kind of my decision within whatever boundaries that they said. And so, you know, it's uncomfortable to talk about these things sometimes to rabbis, but you know, it was, I, I kind of, I had to in, in several of the situations that I was dealing with. Mm-hmm. And do you have any advice, uh, I guess, in terms of our listeners for people 
Um, I think there's probably a lot of people. Well, first of all, in terms of let's, let's just back up. So you said there was no evidence in your family of any breast cancer or any history of BRCA. So like you'd never seen any instances of, of breast cancer? Well, so no, but it turns out it comes through a mostly male line of my family. Um, and we do have other cancers like pancreatic and things like that. And so, you know, when people think of BRCA, they think of breast and ovarian they don't necessarily think that there's other things that are associated with it as well. But like my grandfather died of pancreatic cancer and an uncle had pancreatic cancer. So, you know, it was, it was prevalent, but it's not what a lot of doctors think of. And so nobody ever brought up genetic testing with me beforehand. Got it. Okay. And I think, I mean, I'm, I only heard about the pancreatic link uh, recently when I was talking to Esty and then I actually, I have a good friend who has pancreatic cancer uh, in the family, I guess it's through the male line. And she discovered she also had the gene and she just, um, she got everything removed. So this is, um, and was there any talk from sort of the, I understand that the doctors sort of their position was more aggressive from the rabbinic side. Was there a sort of a range of what you could or couldn't do or? Um, in some cases, yes. And, you know, it's different if you haven't had children and it's different, you know, so it, there's kind of a, a weighting of kind of looking at somebody's personal situation. It's not just the, you know, this is what Halakha says that needs to be done. It's what Halakha says to do in your personal situation. And, you know, I, I did have times when I would ask a rabbi something and they, they didn't know they weren't comfortable. And so they would refer me on to somebody who did have the background knowledge to be able to give me both a Halakha and medical um, advice, which, you know, was good because, you know, this is the kind of thing where you really need somebody who understands all of the different implications on both the medical and halachic sides of things. In a sense, there's almost more of a nuance from the, you know, the, the posig that um, understands the science too, because from the rabbinic side now, they're learning the science behind it, but they also are taking in sort of the human condition and the life situation and sort of weighing out those different pieces, whereas... Right. Um, the medical perspective could be sort of like a little bit, and I'm saying this as the daughter of a doctor, a little bit kind of like tough, like, you know, we, we kind of want this result. Um, this is what our, you know, textbooks tell us. And do, do they have a way to, you know, kind of continue screening you in the meantime? Is that something that, um, you know, a, a person with the BRCA gene does over time with, you know, the pancreas or for, are there any other screens in the meantime or? Yeah, so ovarian and pancreatic cancers are both very difficult to detect, but I do get a lot of scans and screens just to kind of keep a close an, as close an eye on them as possible. I get ultrasounds, I get MRIs, I get blood work. Um, you know, it's a lot to keep on top of, but it's something important to keep on top of because, you know, I have this information, I need to use it. And do you have any advice for um, kind of people listening on the sidelines that are thinking like, do I jump in? Do I kind of, because, you know, um, you know, knowledge is power and also ignorance is bliss. That's kind of the yes. um, Ignorance is bliss, but if you're ignorant, it can come back to bite you, right? If I hadn't, if I hadn't found out I was BRCA positive, I would have had a very different ending to my story, right? I would have had more aggressive treatment, it would have been a lot further, uh, this would have been staged a lot further on. And so this is something that's part of your genetic makeup, whether or not you get the test. And so yes, it's difficult information to deal with, but it's important information to know so that you can catch something early or do something prophylactically if, if that's what you choose to do. 
where would you say faith comes into a situation like this? Because again, I know as an Orthodox organization, I'm always sort of looking to bring this back to how this fits into what we do. Um, you know, I did not grow up observant. I did not really believe in anything growing up. Um, how was that was, you know, sort of faith, you know, Amuna, something that you found yourself leaning on prayer um, when you got this information to kind of try to frame um, the very big news that you had gotten? Yeah, so it kind of goes back to what that doctor said to me, where, you know, this was something that was in my family, but I was given the knowledge without even having to go get it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it had to come from somewhere bigger than myself, right? It wasn't just that I took a DNA test. It was mm -hmm. that I took the DNA test at the right time that th this cancer was caught and it was caught, it was like six millimeters. It was teeny tiny. And so it wouldn't have been caught any other way had I not taken that test at that time. Had I taken the test even a little bit earlier, it might've been too small to be detected. If I took it a little bit later, it could have spread further than it did. And mm -hmm. so it was really just the exact right time to take this test and get those results. I was thinking just that you got the test, but I see what you're saying. It's not the test, it's also the timing of the test. So right. that, really, that really is uh, unique. And what about, um, would you say there's anything different about sort of going through this experience as an Orthodox Jew, besides the piece that we touched on already, which is sort of having the halachic, hashkafic considerations of, you know, speaking to you know rabbis to understand what to do. I guess sort of like socially, culturally, do you think there's anything that makes this experience um, different than you know a non-Jewish person, a non-observant person and going through it as an Orthodox Jew? So I think on the good side, it's that the community really is there to support you um, when you're going through hard times. And I know that's the case in some other communities, but I mean, the number of people who asked if they could bring me food or they could do something when I was, you know, going through surgery was just incredible. Um, on the bad side, there's somewhat of a stigma that goes along with cancer. The fact that people call it yena makla and they won't even say the word cancer when it's something that it happens, like everybody has something, whether or not you know what it is and that people won't talk about it. And I think it actually is dangerous because, you know, one in 40 Ashkenazic Jews have a BRCA mutation, mm -hmm. which means that, you know, people who are listening to this, even if you don't know it, probably some, some of those people have a mutation, but they might have people within their family who know that, but haven't shared that information with them because of the stigma that's somewhat associated with it. And I think that's dangerous and I think it needs to be something that changes. And hopefully, you know, with JScreen having this and making the testing more accessible and, you know, the same kind of thing where everybody's used to testing either with JScreen or Darya Shar and just knowing that we have these genetic things within our community, just, you know, you, you need to deal with them because it, it's literally life-saving. Life and death. Do you think that anything has improved since you got this information? I mean, we're talking now like around eight years ago. I, I guess at least from my perspective, I it seems to me like there's more normalization of of cancer and high lifeline and, and different things like that. Would do, do have you seen a change in the last several years? There's some of that, but I actually just talked to somebody last night. I get a lot of people who get referred to me when they first get diagnosed with cancer or with BRCA. And I talked to somebody just last night who is in her thirties and just found out that she has cancer. She's already had surgery. She hasn't even told her family. Oh, wow. She hasn't told her parents. She hasn't told anybody. And she's not the only person I've heard that from. And so 
it maybe in some ways it's gotten better, but it's still nowhere close to where it needs to be. Yikes. Is this, do you think for shidduch reasons people are not talking about it or because Ein Hara or like, what do you think is? I think it's some of, I think it's a little bit of everything. Some of it's shidduch, some of it's that, you know, I don't, I, I really don't know, but hmm. I've spoken to several people who haven't told family members. I've spoken to people who have, um, teenagers who are living at home who don't know what their mother's going through. <clears throat> and like, I, I don't know how you could hide that having gone through all of this, but it's the way that it is. And I don't think it's the way that it should be, but that's just my personal view on things. To me, like, you know, sort of some of the work that we do touches upon some of, you know, sort of dysfunctional parts of the Orthodox community and kind of all the aftermath that happens. And um, that seems to me just like sort of a, just sort of a dysfunctional way of handling life because, and this, this could be, um, I think maybe in some ways due to kind of intergenerational trauma that the Jewish people endured so much in past, uh, you know, generations that we kind of like had to put on like a smiling face and not go into uh, the, you know, service that we were dealing with. But um, I mean, from a halachic point of view, this really is about pikuach nefesh. Um, and I would say from a, an emotional health point of view, you know, kind of uh, the, the physical health aside, um, families need to know that the person going through the challenge needs support. Um, and, you know, to to uh, keep something so major from children, from parents, from siblings, um, really, I would say is a breakdown of um, just kind of like basic family. Uh, right. so, um, right. this, is, um, this is great that you're talking about it. This is great that you're normalizing it. Um, and it's really the community is so fortunate to have you um, being a voice to um, give this information and show that there's no shame or stigma around this. And I mean, I would say, I would argue that the way that you're behaving in this is really the most from way to be, you know, to um, just help people uh, feel comfortable to get the information they need um, and also, you know, not be ashamed or scared to uh, to share it with others. So, um, you know, we we wish you uh, continued um, Hatzlacha and uh, continued health uh, and, uh, you know, only um, is there any way that anyone listening could follow up with you? You said that you're a resource. Is there you know, a good way that we can kind of give them follow-up info? Um, yeah, so I actually usually get involved through Sharsharet, which is a great organization for people who are either BRCA positive or dealing with breast or ovarian cancer or you know some combination of the above. And they'll actually um, match people up with somebody who has a situation relatively close to what they're going through. And so um, I, I tend to get people who have a similar story to mine and, um, you know, Sharsharit can do the same with others and match them up to somebody in a similar family situation or religious orientation. And that I, I, I had somebody that I called when I first found out I was diagnosed and now I'm kind of doing the same. And so Sharsharit's a great resource after doing testing um, with somebody like JScreen to figure out the best link to, to connect with. And just for any of our uh, listeners that aren't familiar with Sharsharet, I heard about Sharsharet several years ago when we did our first Orthodox Jewish All-Stars video. Um, the founder of Sharsharet, uh, his name is Rachi Shoretz. Uh, she was a Supreme Court clerk under Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So we invited her into our first All-Stars video for that. Um, and early on in her legal career, she found out that she was BRCA positive, had breast cancer. I believe when she did the video with us, which you can look up on our website or on our YouTube channel, I think she had stage three breast cancer at that time. I think she was running like marathons um, in the yeah. middle of the world. So she um, unfortunately uh, succumbed to uh, the cancer after many years of uh, 
heroically fighting it off, but um, her legacy to the Jewish community was uh, this incredible organization. So essentially, J-Screen can kind of be people's first um, point of screening and getting the information and hopefully getting negative news. Um, right. But God forbid um, the news is positive on the BRCA front, at least. Um, J-Screen uh, is an incredible organization uh, you know, to, to follow up with that. Okay, excellent. All right. I'm sorry, not J-Screen. I'm sorry, Char Sherritt. There we go. Char Sherritt is an incredible organization to follow up on that side. Um, okay, amazing. So um, our listeners uh, can uh, follow up with you like that or get another uh, buddy to speak about. Uh, if, you know, God forbid they need more information. Um, okay, so thank you so much for your time um, and have a, a beautiful Hanukkah. Thank you, you too. Thank you so much. And you can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.